Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents his teaching, Feeding on the Word. This morning, I want to talk to you about the importance of feeding on the Word. I briefly considered calling this message, Don't Be Word Starved, but I thought that would be starting out with a negative tone, so I changed it to Feeding on the Word. Amen? Feeding on the Word is vital to the growth and development of believers in general. Isn't that right? And it's especially vital when it comes to preparing believers to face the inevitable battles of life. The man who led me to the Lord when I was a teenager challenged me with this statement after I got born again, and I have never forgotten it. He said, Scott, your relationship with the Father God will never be any closer than your relationship to His Word. I was like, whoa, that's heavy. And he went on to say, because His Word is who He is. His Word is is his characteristics. His word is his character. His word is his attributes. His word is the essence of who he is. And Psalm 138, verse 2, he said, I have magnified my word above my very name. Why? Because if his word is not true, his name means nothing. Even worse, if his word is not true, if one jot or tittle of the word is not true, then the universe begins to crumble and you and I cease to exist. Everything that we see in the known universe is here because the Word of God is true, is a rock, can be depended upon, and He can therefore exalt it above His very name. You know, back in the old days, country people would say it like this, my word is my bond. In other words, they were saying, listen, I'm staking my name and my reputation on the fact that when I say something, it will come to pass. God is the same way, except with no errors, no mistakes. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want to encourage you this morning with the same challenge. Let's endeavor to strengthen our relationship with the Word of God. I want to begin with the book of Deuteronomy. Everybody's favorite book, right? The reason I like Deuteronomy is the place where you find surfers and dudes. Deuteronomy. All right. I expected a little bit more chatter than that, but I'll take it. It turns out if you translate from the Hebrew to the Greek and then to the English, you find out that the word Deuteronomy means the second law. And that's because the entire book of Deuteronomy reiterates all the laws of God that were given to the Israelites in the previous four books of what they call the Torah. And it consistently emphasizes the importance of following the law of God. The entire book of Deuteronomy is all about living your life based on the Word of God. Amen. But now that we have a whole lot more Word than they had back then, we can treat any reference in the Old Testament to the laws or commandments of the Lord 
to the more commonly used New Testament term, the Word of God. Because that is exactly what it is. Amen? So I said all of that to prep you for a short journey through the book of Deuteronomy that I think you'll find fascinating. Throughout the book, you find that Moses is preparing to pass the torch of leadership to his successor, Joshua. And he knows he won't be taking the Israelites into the promised land, so he takes a lot of time stressing to them the importance of following the laws of God. He knows it's going to be critical if they're going to be successful in the conquest of the land of Canaan. And as the people of Israel are preparing to go into the promised land, Moses encourages them to follow the law of God and gives them a priority task that they must perform immediately after they cross the River Jordan into the promised land. We find that in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through verse 29. I'm going to read it in the English Standard Version. That's Deuteronomy 11, verse 26 through 29. This is Moses speaking the word of the Lord to the people of Israel. He says, see, I am setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. But turn aside from the way that I'm commanding you today to go after other gods that you have not known. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land that you are entering to take possession of it, you shall set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Aval. Now, what exactly is that all about? To set the blessing on Mount Gerizim and the curse on Mount Aval. Well, evidently it was something important because it was the number one thing Moses told them to do as soon as they entered the promised land. So I did a little research because, you know, it's not entirely clear in the scriptures how this scenario played out. You can read more about it in Deuteronomy 27 verses 1 through 26. Also, Joshua chapter 8, verse 30 through 35. And you can even find it in more detail in the Jewish Talmud. So I considered all those sources and I patched together what I believe was actually going on in this ceremony, in this ritual. I'm going to break it down for you without having to read an inordinate amount of scriptures. Everybody say amen to that. And listen, it's an absolutely fascinating ritual so let's talk about Mount Gerizim and Mount Aval let's talk about the geography and the topography involved first of all Mount Gerizim and Mount Aval stand about one mile apart in the geographical heart of the land that God had promised to the Israelites so that says to me that God wants to get to the heart of the matter in this ritual. All right. Both mountains are roughly 3,000 feet above sea level. And as I said before, they're both separated by one mile. 
Mount Gerizim, which was representative of the blessing, was lush and fertile and green. Mount Aval, which represented the curse, was barren and rock-faced. The picture I got in my mind was Stone Mountain, Georgia. Anybody ever been there? It's just one big stone that sticks up out of the ground, and it's just a barren rock. That's the picture I get of Mount Aval. All right. In fact, Mount Aval, the word in the Hebrew means bald, barren, bleak. So it turns out that the valley between these two mountains forms a natural amphitheater. And so anything shouted in the valley could be heard on the top of either mountain. And anything shouted from the top of either mountain could be heard in the valley. For those of you that have visited Israel recently, in between in this valley was the ancient city of Shechem, which is the modern city of Nablus in what they call the West Bank of Israel today. All right, so Moses instructed Joshua to send six of the tribes of Israel to the top of Mount Gerizim, which was blessing, and the other six tribes he sent to the top of Mount Aval, which was the curse. And the priest and the Levites were stationed in the valley between with the Ark of the Covenant and the written laws of God before them. When the Levites would shout out the blessings and the curses of the law, the people on Mount Gerizim would shout amen to the blessings and the people on Mount Aval would shout amen to the curses. For example, this is my rendition. If you obey the law of God, you'll be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Amen. If you disobey the law of God, you'll be cursed in the city. You'll be cursed in the field. Amen. If you honor the word of the Lord, you'll be blessed going in and blessed coming out. Amen. If you dishonor the word of the Lord, you'll be cursed coming in and cursed going out. Amen. Amen. What a powerful, listen to Think about it. What a powerful sight and sound experience this must have been for the people of Israel. Now they've got powerful visuals and shouts from the valley and shouts from the mountains that illustrate that Moses had told them earlier, I set before you today the blessing that is the fruitfulness and life of Mount Gerizim or the curse that is the barrenness and death of Mount Aval. And you have said amen, or so be it, to both the blessing and the curse. So you choose. What's it going to be in your life? Blessing and life, or cursing and death. So Moses continues throughout the book of Deuteronomy. Here in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. In the English Standard Version, a very, very famous quote here. Moses says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Amen. It's like one of my favorite teachers says, they've given you the quiz and they gave you the answer ahead of time. Choose answer A. Choose life. 
It's not difficult. It's not hard to figure out. Then go on to Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 45 through 47. This time I'm going to read it to you in the Amplified Classic Version. When Moses had finished speaking all these words to all the people of Israel, he said to them, Take to heart all the words of warning which I'm speaking to you today, and you shall command your children to observe them carefully to do all the words of this law. For it is not an empty or trivial matter for you. Indeed, it is your very life. I'm going to read that again. For it is not an empty or trivial matter for you. Indeed, it is your very life. Now, the Hebrew word translated here as life is also translated numerous times in the Old Testament as beast. And also has a listed meaning of raw flesh. So to me, that implies the flesh of an animal from which we derive life sustaining nourishment which introduces the concept of ingesting the word of God as spiritual food everybody with me okay store that away for the time being and we'll come back to it shortly let's continue reading verse 47 by honoring and obeying this word you will live long in the land which you are crossing the Jordan to possess in the case of the Israelites, they were told that if they honored and obeyed the word of God, that the Lord would cause them to live long on the earth and they would be successful in fulfilling their calling to conquer the land of Canaan and birth the nation of Israel. But it doesn't matter who you are or what you're called to do. God's word is not a trivial thing. It is your life. Spiritually, it is literally a matter of life and death. Peter says that men and women get born again by the incorruptible seed of the word of God. And Jesus said, you can't even see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again. So the seed of the word of God is what gets you into heaven. It's a matter of spiritual life and death. Amen. It's the word that bursts that born again spirit on the inside of you when you say yes to Jesus for the first time. It's the word that will help you fulfill the calling of God on your life. No matter what it is you're called to do, listen to me. You will face giants and you will face impossible odds just like the Israelites did. Only in spiritual form. And the only thing that will put you over in these kinds of circumstances is the word of the living God. Listen to what Job had to say about the word of God. Job chapter 23, verse 11 and 12. New King James Version. Job 23, 11 and 12. New King James Version. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Just think about that. 
Just like natural food is necessary for our physical strength and well-being, spiritual food is necessary for our spiritual health and well-being. Isn't that right? And in spite of the things that Job faced in the short nine months of his famous ordeal, even God said he had walked in integrity and righteousness up to that point. And the reason Job said that he had stayed on the right path and kept the word all his life was because he treasured the word of the Lord more than the pleasure of his natural food. Amen. Read the Gospel of John or have a piece of strawberry pie. Which is it going to be? Which is more important in your life at that moment? Amen. Some people say, I I don't like that choice. I'll do both. (laughs) I'll read the strawberry pie and read the book of John. (laughs) What would I say? I'll eat the strawberry pie and read the book of John at the same time. Listen to what Jesus had to say about the word of God when he was tempted of the devil in the wilderness. Matthew chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. English Standard Version. Matthew 4, 3 and 4. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Amen. Just like natural food is necessary to sustain you physically, spiritual food is necessary to sustain you spiritually. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, in the authorized King James Version. Because I couldn't find another translation that says it better than this. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. He hadn't been weaned yet. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. This passage says this essentially if you graduate from the milk of the word to the meat of the word and put it into practice in your life your spiritual senses will be heightened so that you can easily discern what is good and what is evil because you'll say it either lines up with the word or it doesn't but you won't be able to do that if you stuck on the milk of the word you got to get weaned off the milk and you got to progress on to the bread and the meat of the word. Amen. And you got to put it into practice in your life. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. Jeremiah 15, verse 16, English Standard Version. Your words were found and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. Basically, Jeremiah is saying, I have learned to ingest the word of God. And when I do, it brings joy and delight to my heart. You want joy and delight to abound in your heart? Then feed your spirit, man, the word of the living God. 
Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. New King James Version. I'm going to read them verse by verse because I got some comments I want to make in between. This is a passage that's probably familiar to a lot of us. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. What does that say to me practically? That says to me, listen to the word. Listen to good, solid preaching and teaching of the word. Listen to it on television. Listen to it through MP3 files. Listen to it through a podcast, but find somebody that you trust, that you know puts out the Word of God, and listen to the Word of God. If you miss one of our services, we've got a podcast, and we've got every service on record. Every message has been recorded for three years. You can feast in there for weeks and weeks and weeks, and there are people that do. We've got binge listeners on our podcast. I see them every once in a while. Whoa, a hundred downloads in one day. That's people out there finding the podcast and going, holy moly, I'm going to go wild with this. Amen. So, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Listen to the word. Let it feed your faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Verse 21. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Listen, it's important That you do more than just listen to the word. You have to put the word of God before your eyes and read it for yourself. There is something that happens spiritually when you do. I cannot explain it. I can share one story that illustrates the power of just reading the word of God. I guess it's been a couple of years now. I was at the house. I felt like I was going to throw up. You know how that sort of just comes on you. You begin to sweat. You turn pale. Your temperature goes up. And all of a sudden you feel like you're going to hurl. It was one of those days. And so I went into our downstairs half bath. And I took my shirt off. I lifted the toilet seat. And I prepared to hurl. Because in my mind. All I got to do is just do it one or two times. It'll be painful. But once I do I'll feel better. And all of a sudden, I heard the Lord said, why don't you read Proverbs 17? So I got my phone out. I read Proverbs 17. And Proverbs 17, you get to verse 22. It says, laughter doeth good like a medicine. And I got to that part, reading the word, standing there with my shirt off, getting ready to hurl. And I read, laughter doeth good like a medicine. And all of a sudden, I felt from the top of my head, that thing, whatever it was that had afflicted me, sort of just drained from my head, down through my body, down to my toes, and out in a matter of seconds. It was gone. All because I put the word of the living God before my eyes, and I read it for myself. It was a miracle because this has happened to me a few times in my life. I'm not saying I'm a, I'm a chronic hurler, but it happened to me a number of times, and I always did the same thing. I just got ready. I threw up. I felt better, and I, 
I went on with my life, and the Lord said, there's a better way. I should tell the other story. A couple of months later, same thing happened. Same exact scenario. Only this time, I'm upstairs, and I go to our um, master bathroom. I lift the lid, and I get ready to do the whole routine. And the Lord said, remember, I'm with you. This time, we're going to do things a little differently. I want you to lay on your back, put your arms in the air, and I want you just to worship me. So I laid on my back, I put my hands in the air, and I said, Lord, I worship you. I know this is not from you. I thank you that your healing power is operating in my body. I worship you because of who you are. You are worthy of my praise. And I say about a minute of that, and the same thing happened. It started at my head, and it began to drain out of my body all the way down to my toes, and it was out in a matter of a minute or so. I was completely well. Amen. All because in the first case, I looked at the Word of God. In the second case, I listened to the Word of God. Amen. Hallelujah. I was not planning on sharing my hurling story, so if anybody is sensitive about that, I apologize. <laughs> well, we'll see what kind of podcast edits we can do to clean it up. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. You know, you got to store them in your heart so when the battle is joined, they're there already. Amen? Hallelujah. Read the Word. Study the Word. Meditate on the Word. Memorize the Word. Yeah, I believe in good old-fashioned memorization. Back in the 80s, I memorized over a period of months about 200 scriptures. And to this day... I still know them. They're still in there. They're still a part of me. I meditate on them constantly. I speak them over myself constantly. Amen. You know, maybe the Lord's prompting me to do 200 more. We'll see. Verse 22. For they, the words of the Lord, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Now, I've broken this up and I've segmented it in such a fashion that I feel the need to read it from beginning to end. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Full circle here. It turns out that word translated as life, for they are life, is that same word in the Hebrew, which means beast, raw flesh. So again, we have this concept of ingesting the word of God for spiritual health and nutrition. For they are life to those who find them and health. That word there actually means medicine to all their flesh. You got a chronic condition, pain that keeps coming up over and over and over again. Increase the dosage. If you've been meditating on healing scriptures one time a day, maybe take it up to two times a day. If that doesn't help, take it up to three times a day. Amen? But increase the dosage of medicine that's going into your heart to heal your body. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. All right, listen. If you ingest the word like food, put the word inside you, it will strengthen your spirit, 
and it will bring health to your body. All right. When someone is training for and preparing for a marathon, they do something called carbohydrate loading. They purposely eat high carbohydrate foods a day or two before the marathon, which, by the way, if you haven't remembered, it's a 26-mile ordeal. They load up on pasta and on bread, so they'll have more than enough energy-producing food in their system to sustain them through the race. Amen? 26 miles is a long way to go in one day. Well, I actually think that Christians should spiritually carbohydrate load. Only instead of waiting till a day or two before the big race, they should load up the word continually so that when they face a crisis, when they face a giant, when they face impossible odds, there is a potential source of energy they can tap into that will help them endure and finish the race strong. Amen. You can't wait till the race is on or the challenge is upon you to feed on the Word of God because it takes time to get the Word in you. It takes time to make it part of you. Amen? But if you take the time to feed on the Word and you do so continually, you'll be ready for anything that comes your way. I'm going to finish with a testimony and I'll be as brief as I can. Starting in the fall of 1995 and ending in the summer of 1996, I went through the most turbulent times I've ever faced in my entire life. Everything around me seemed to be crumbling. Dreams were literally slipping through my fingers. And the mistakes I made seemed like mistakes from which I would never recover. If not for the love of my wife and the love of my Lord, I'm not sure I would have made it through those difficult times. And I have to be honest with you. I had not ingested the word the way that I should have prior to that season. And I ended up having to play catch up as the turbulent waters threatened to overtake me. After many nights of crying out to the Lord and looking for answers, I came across a passage of scripture that is still precious to me this day. It is still one of my go-to scriptures in time of trouble. And I want you to know I fed on that scripture night after night and day after day until it became a part of me. Until it saw me through to the end of my ordeal. Let me read it to you as we close the message this morning. Psalm 138, verse 7 and 8. In the New King James Version. Psalm 138. Seven and eight. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the works of your hands. Now that may not seem like much to you, but those were life-sustaining words to me during that difficult time of my life. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, I would say it out loud, Lord, you will revive me. You'll pick me up. I'm going to make it. Those that are against me will be defeated. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Another translation says, he will accomplish his purpose in me. I felt like my purpose was dashed. There was no way I would ever fulfill my purpose in life. And I kept saying, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. And he will accomplish his purpose in me. 
and he will not forsake me because I'm the work of his hands. You made me, Lord, so you're going to see me through this. So learn to feed on the word of God continually. Develop an appetite for the word and ingest the word on a continual basis until it becomes a part of you. This is the answer. You've got to do this. This is it's not a vain thing that the King James says. It's not a trivial thing. The Amplified says this is something that is your life. Listen to me. I'm not just preaching. This is the truth. <laughs> Reminds me of Pastor Sam, my pastor in Shreveport. He was talking to his son, Taylor. I guess he was 14 or 15 years old. And his son said, Dad, is that the truth or are you just preaching? Well, hopefully my preaching is the truth. I'm not preaching anything that's not the truth. Amen. These days, there's no excuse for not reading the word continually. We got these devices in our hands right now that we take everywhere with us. And we panic if we've left it behind. Oh my God, where's my phone? My life is in that phone. Where's my phone? No one will be able to get a hold of me. What did we do in the days before the cell phones? We certainly didn't feel hopeless. So we got these devices. We've got these tablets that we carry with us everywhere we go. And, and there's free Bible software you can load on there. I've got three free software packages on my phone that I use continually over and over. Many times a day. Many times a day because I'm always in the word. Take advantage of the technology. If you like your good old print Bible, take it in the car with you. My whole point is it's got to get off the pages. It's got to get off of your device and it's got to get down into your heart. It's got to become a part of you. A guy said to me one time back in the day, he says, I never leave the house without my sword. I was like, what do you mean by that? I'm always got my Bible in the car. I said, well, if it's not in you, it's not going to do you any good. Whether it's riding shotgun with you or not. So listen, you got no excuse. Sitting in an office waiting for an appointment? Read the Bible on your phone. Going to be driving a few hours all alone? Listen to an excellent podcast. Listen to some great recorded teaching and preaching. Listen to art podcasts if you missed the service. Don't be word starved. Don't be a spiritual anorexic. Stay in the word. Have some go-to passages that you lean on when you're going through times of trouble. Personalize them. Say them over yourself constantly. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. If God be for me, who in the world can be against me? No weapon forms against me shall prosper. No evil shall befall me. No plague shall come nigh my dwelling. He has given his angels charge over me, so nothing evil is going to happen to me. I cannot tell you how many times a day I say these kind of things over myself. Why? Because I need the support. I need the life-giving sustenance of the word of God in me coming out of my mouth. Amen.
Amen. So don't let the enemy overwhelm you. Overwhelm the enemy with the word of the living God. He can't handle it. He won't hang around too much longer. As Moses said, it is not a trivial thing. It is your life. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed Dr. Forrest's message, Feeding on the Word. If this message has blessed you and you would like to contribute to our ministry, you can do so by donating on our website at GoFaithLife.com. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us at Sunday at 9.45 a.m. for coffee and fellowship and 10.30 for worship and service. If you would like to learn more about us and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, visit our website at GoFaithLife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.